This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. April Ryan has been covering the White House as a journalist since 1997, over 20 years, but only this year has she gotten death threats. Now, when Trump has framed the media as a national problem, telling folks the media is the enemy of the people, inspiring real violence against newsrooms. April Ryan is one of the journalists Trump has singled out, and now she travels with security because she's afraid for her life. April's a serious journalist who's gotten awards for her work. The National Association of Black Journalists named her the Journalist of the Year in 2017. She's the D.C. Bureau Chief for American Urban Radio Networks. She's a CNN analyst. It's insane that she's getting death threats. It's insane that she has to fear for her life because she's in media. Trump's attacks on media have had real effects on real people like April, people of integrity and dignity and deep seriousness who are all about finding the truth. April Ryan is an American treasure, a woman who's been in the White House press corps for over 20 years asking the questions that black America needs asking. And now, after being attacked by Trump and Sarah Sanders and Omarosa, April has written a wild book about her experiences covering Trump called Under Fire. This is an epic conversation with an important American who's afraid for her life for no good reason. It's April Ryan on Torre Show. Another tactic Trump used to galvanize his core supporters came to me in an aha moment in the summer of 2017. I took my kids to New York City to see the Broadway musical Wicked for the third time. Yet more importantly, to see actress Shirley Ralph, who played Madame Mirabal, the headmistress of the school. My friend made theater history by being the first black woman to play Madame Mirabal on Broadway. It was art imitating life when one of the characters began to reveal the plot of the play, making the green witch the enemy of Oz. The character said the best way to unify people is to create a common enemy. Mind you, Wicked the Book was published in 1995 and the play was a Broadway musical in 2003. This thought pattern was laid well before Donald Trump decided to create a common enemy, but he understood what to do. Mm. And you can say that about a a lot of things. Colin Kaepernick is the common enemy. Mm. April Ryan is the common enemy. Barack Obama is the common enemy. Well, now media in general 
the, is common, the common and enemy. the enemy of the people. Isn't that something? Do you? And that was a. I swear. So, are you things. afraid for your life right now? Because <laughs> you've gotten death threats. Now you're traveling with security. Are you? I didn't say I was traveling with security. Okay, you but, said it. Okay. But, <laughs> but are you? Are you? Are you? Are you seriously afraid for your life? I'm seriously afraid. I'm seriously afraid. I'm not only afraid for myself, I'm afraid for my fellow reporters. There are some crazy people out here. Teray, there are people out here who listen to this president and believe that he's doing God's work and think that they're doing God's bidding by calling us and threatening us. Um, A reporter called my boss recently and said, well, you know, we hear April's getting these death threats. And then, you know, I said, okay, well, I thought he was just going to verify, you know, verbally that I was getting the death threats. So my boss and I talked on the phone. He said, yeah, I got a call from so-and-so, from so-and-so. I said, oh. I said, did you tell him? He said, not only did I tell him, I gave him the emails. I gave him the voicemails. I gave him, the t- I gave him everything. I said, what? So um, it's cringeworthy, but I am not going to cower to fear. I do what I have to do to survive, but I'm not going to cower to fear. Well, take, let's take one step back. What does a credible death threat look like? What have you gotten that really made you say, I have without to take going into without going into a lot of it, when someone calls or emails or texts my company or me and says death from above, and you know how some of these things are just belligerent and they talk about you know falsehoods about the black community. I'm a race baiter. I'm a this. I'm a that. Um, and then death from it, I don't want to get into it. But, you know, I had one, the, one of the early ones came into the company website saying that. And I was like, what? And the person happened to be someone, a retired military person. Yes. So I don't want to go any further into this, but it's real, Torre. It's real. And um, it's real. But I'm not going to stop because I, I take my precautions. I'm, I'm, I'm. Fully aware of it, but guess what? A lot of it too. They want to make you f- afraid. Yeah. They want to make you afraid, and I refuse. Has, I, it, has it changed the way you do your job in any way? <clears throat> no, it's not changed the way I do my job. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And I refuse to let it do that. Have you seen this climate of media as the enemy? And we must be violent toward media. Has it affected the way others are doing their jobs? I can't tell you what others... I mean, I don't talk to them that much because I just... I don't want to give it life. But there's also this understanding that it's real. I mean, I want to talk to you, but I can't. And I just don't want to get into it because there are people who may want to copy. There are people who may want to do. And I'm not going to give them that foothold. Um, and I and I hear you sign because it's a sad day. No, it's it it is heavy to see what we've already seen of, you know, the newspaper gets attacked, this one gets attacked, that one, the television. Did station. you hear Ken Vogel? What they called? What they said to Ken? I was like, what? What? What did they say? They said some crazy stuff about you know they were talking about. I don't even want to get to, but, but talking about the AK seventy. Do you know you use a pen? But what about the, I have an AK seventy? Something along that line. I'm like, what? It's ridiculous. C-SPAN, a C-SPAN caller, yeah. said something crazy about Brian Stella. I'm like, what? Yep. And I'm like, it's not a joke. You don't use this tongue-in-cheek, these words. This is real. These are lives. People don't see. There's collateral damage. 
when you do something like this. And I am, we have seen what happened in Annapolis. What, what has happened to American media because of this threat? We've had to become the news. We've had to stand out and defend ourselves. I mean, we are not supposed to be the news. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it was kind of, and we talked about this earlier, but you know how I wrote the book and it almost killed me just doing it in six months without taking a break. And at a time when I'm trying to process what was happening to me, I didn't get a chance to, to walk away and say, okay, this is happening and let me digest it. Let me go to therapy and figure this out. No time. I'm working. I'm a mom living in two, living in one city, working in another, commuting, being a daughter of a dad at the time who, who was dying, you know, and, you know, working at the White House, being under attack by the president and the press secretary, being put on a, 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 a list, a, a blacklist, trying to live my life, having friends, trying to be friendly with people and writing a book. And but but what was it was six months that killed me because I'm up in the morning, working late at night writing, but also trying to pour my soul out in this book, giving you fact without giving you the emotion of it. So you would know what's on this table. You know, you can see clearly versus feeling all the hodgepodge of most. Because I had to go through a lot of processing. Think about it. I mean, you have the president of the United States hating you publicly. You have his minions, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, saying everything out the side of her neck to you in front of the world. And Sean Spicer, I'm older than he has been around there long at the White House than he has ever been. And he's going to tell me stop shaking my head because I ask a question about Russia. Come on now. So think about that. I mean, think, of, and, and this is, this is real, you know, you, when you're in your home with your children or your husband or your wife or your partner, your significant other, or even with friends, you have a battle with them privately or make it out to that, your little friend circle and you're embarrassed there. But think about your problems being magnified for the world to see. How do you walk with your head up? You know how I walked with my head up? Because I did nothing wrong. I just right. asked a question. No, that's right. So they're just trying to reach out to their base and let their base see, oh, she's not one of us. They don't know if I'm one of you or not. Mm. I don't tell my politics. I just report on the story. But she's not one of us. Let's attack her. Those issues that she's asking we don't like be it Russia or be it about the taking of the knee or be it about the asshole or be it about Frederica Wilson and 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 uh what happened in Niger uh it they don't like it they don't like it at all let's 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 take one step back because you wrote a book just came out under fire reporting from the front lines of the Trump White House and by writing this book you have achieved a dream that a lot of people are saying, hey, I want to write a book. I got a book in me. And they're, in the, and they're in the same <laughs> situation as you. They got a job. Maybe not at the White House, but they got a job. And they got kids. And you're a single parent. And you're commuting. When A single parent of very active children. Oh, my God. Teenagers. Yeah. When Pre-teen did, and a teen. So when did you write this book, given I got a parent... I got to be a, a daughter, mm-hmm. be a sister, be a niece, be a this, be a that. And do my, PTA. Nine to, do my nine to five, whatever, which involves you writing at least two stories a day. Mm-hmm. And a podcast and a podcast once a week. So how, when, how and when did you write this book? So I knew I was on the right line when I talked to Bishop T.D. Jakes. And 
he was like, I said, so when do you find time to write? He said, I write on the plane. I write on the train. I said, I do too. I have messed up many computers <laughs> writing on the plane. I mean, just grabbing them and throwing them. I have a little Mac Air that I have stuffed with so much stuff. I, I don't even have room for it anymore um, to use. I don't even bother about it. I just keep it just, just to keep it. Write on planes, trains, and automobiles when there's a moment. I get up before the kids get up. And find that time when it's peaceful, that's when it flows. I get so up you're doing when, it like 4 a.m.? 4 or 5 a.m. when it's quiet in the house. And then when they go to sleep, 10 or 11 o'clock, I'm writing. And I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. I was running and rushing, and I was journaling. And what I would find, um, what I would find is I would get something in my mind, and I would either tape it on memo, voice memo on my phone, mm-hmm. or I would text it to myself, te- text a little passage. Those, steal it away. Take it. They take the moment to email it to myself, and I say, "This is for chapter so and so. Plug it in here." I did a lot of that. So you did it a lot, like inch by inch, rather inch than by inch. rather than saying, "I need a day. I'm gonna." I was the tortoise, not the hare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because so I mean, I, from my writing, I'm like. I need six hours so I can think oh, and get into it. And you're I like, know. I stole, you know, 20 minutes here. I pecked another couple sentences and there. And people love it. I'm like, and I'm thinking about when you when you were doing your Prince book, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, how did you do that? You did two Prince books, right? One. Well, one. But you, yeah. So you did the one book and you interviewed. All, I said, and I interviewed people on the fly and on the quick, you know. And that's another thing. I can do my little phone interview while I'm in the car. Because for the book, you don't... Well, nowadays, they use audio and, and uh, video. But before, I would, like, you know, do my interview. I could be driving and, and, and doing the interview, have the speakerphone on and tape them. And, you know, drive, because my commute is two hours. I made every moment count for me. The but commuting I don't, yeah. time. And I'm like, you and this great book you did with Prince, I'm like, wow. I said, I wish I had the luxury, you know. I'm like, yes, wow. Well, know? no, I mean, you know what? I, you know, respect to you because, you know, I'm a dad. Huh. And I said, you know, and I had a job and the kids, but I'm a dad. So I said, you know, honey, I need Saturday to work on my book. And Sisters she, are doing it. And she was like, great. You know, I believe in you and this. You write another book. Great. Go do it. You know, and we'll see you at 6 p.m. And you left it on her. You left yeah, it pretty I mean, much I mean, she's, I mean she's she's parenting, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not like I'm dumping, but I mean, like, but you're bringing something to the table at the end of the day that builds yes, the house up. But she yeah. she she was my wife was willing to give to that time to me so I could work on this. You didn't have another. I didn't have. I have grown up. You could pass off. To. I have my aunt and the, and the and the women, the wives, the moms. Quite often, don't have somebody they can pass off to, like the dad. And the husband came. Okay, so you're talking my second book now. That's at Mama's Knee. So, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Every book I've done the same thing. Superwoman. you find it by, like, finding... Inch by inch. Moments. Not, like, I need to stop working this month, but, like... I couldn't... I could not stop working. Toni Morrison did the same thing she with did? Beloved, that she would get up... Are you kidding at, me? At 4 or 5 a.m. I read that how one of her kids threw up or something. She had one of her babies in the arms or something. They threw. I said, "Oh my god, I, that is true." I'm glad you reminded me. I was definitely right, when Morris. she was still working at Random House editing. Mm. I'm when I was writing my first book. I'm like, "What's your problem?" Tony wrote her book with two small children, single parent, got to go to Random House, and nobody in the world was saying, "We want this book from you, Tony." Right? She wasn't at that level then. What's your problem? Um, but you guys both are fine. But you know what? When there's a burning desire for something, you will find a way. You will make a way. 
to get it done. Mm -hmm. And I had just thanked God. You had a burning desire to get this out. I had to tell my story because these people have lied on me. They've tried to discredit me. And I said, it's important to tell my story. And not just for me, but for the nation to see what we are dealing, not just for the nation, for the world to see. For history. For history. Because if I'm not going to tell it, you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. So history needs to see all sides. They say one thing, but here I am, I'm going to tell you the truth with my receipts. <laughs> how do you, just <laughs> as, a, as a journalist, how do you cover an entity that is constantly lying? You have to, Tori, you know this. You have to see it for what it is and say, okay, all right, this is what it is and let's go on from there. You have to constantly, nowadays more so than ever, you have to sit there and say, this is what it is, this is what they've said, but this is what has happened in the past. This is what is actually happening now. And this is what it looks like in the future. And then bring someone in who, who is credible and has an understanding as to the mishmash that's going on and can help it, can, can kind of go through the weeds and tell you what's going on. And it's, it sounds simple, but once you see it and you clearly understand this is the state of play and this is what you're doing, you can move forward. I mean, it seems in media we need to deal with facts. We to need be able to. We have to, period. To be able to do anything, right? That, that, that's like the nuts and bolts of what we are using for our tools. And when the entity we're covering is constantly lying, it's like, well... Do, does the lying become the story? Mm -hmm. You know, where do we find the actual truth? And you're dealing with a country where people who are reading you believe in you and what you're saying. They, they don't, you know, the other side is not listening. The other side is not going to listen. Listen, the other side will not listen because um, they want to believe. They want to believe that they are being... Um, listen to, that they're being um, brought into the circle that they weren't a part of before. But there is a large number out there that I am so thankful for. And it, it, it makes me, it just makes me kind of emotional because in that room, you look at that cover, that cover, that's how I feel a lot of days. I'm alone. by myself, alone. Because you're the only black person? No, I'm not the only black person. Now, there's a bunch of people in that room, but there are only a few names that you can call out, and I'm one of them. Maybe seven people in that room that you know by name. You mean there's only so many name brand people in yes. the room? Yes. Okay. But I feel alone because a lot of times when I'm attacked, I'm attacked by myself. No one stands with me. The other... The other White House... They, they, they sympathize, don't. but what can they do? What can they do? Because if they go against the administration, they too will be labeled. So it touches my heart to know that there are people out there of goodwill who watch every day and who send. I've had a woman tell me I put my hand out. I stretch my hand out to the TV when I see you going through. That touches me. You know, that they would consult a higher power to... Do you get um, to ask a question every day? No, they've shut me down. Mm. How often do you get in a question? Not, not lately. <laughs> not lately. Once a week? No. Less than once a week? Less. 
And if she, I don't done. ask certain questions, they are not going to be asked. True. Yes, that's but true. But now it's more it's more commonplace. It used to be taboo. You know, when to I what? started to ask black questions, I remember coming to the White House 21 years ago, and people were like, under "Oh, who? she's a under Bill Clinton." Oh, she's a militant because she's a, like, what is there to be militant when you're asking about a certain portion of America that is not, you know, on the table? But I found out that black America is on the table, but it doesn't make the headline because it's not it's not sexy enough. But whether it's sexy enough or not, there's still um, a community that is underserved. Black America still has the highest numbers of negatives in almost every category. Mm. And we are, I found out with Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, that black issues are still on the table. And they're on the table with this president, but in a negative way because he wants yes. to play the game yes. to stir up his base. Yes. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen.
Do you do you need Sarah to call on you in order to do your job effectively? Is if she's freezing you in this way, does that um, hurt you? I don't need her to do anything for me, and I don't want her pie either that she tried to bake for me. I didn't need it. Um, I don't Wait, need what? she. Ba- <laughs> Sarah, you know, Piegate, do you remember Piegate around Thanksgiving? She posted a pie on, on, and it's a long story. It's in the book. She didn't bake the pie. <laughs> she she lied about the, the pie. That's all I'm going to say. Read the book. Read under five. She did not bake the pie. No, she, she didn't. No, she, she didn't. She tried to give you a pie and then she didn't I bake it. No, thank you. <laughs> no, when you grow up in a black household, the first thing, one of the first things you're paying, they give you a bunch of instructions, you know, as a kid, you know. You come with instructions when you come out the room here. They give you some instructions and say you have to follow these. One of those instructions is never to eat anything with anyone who dislikes you. Mm. Never let them make, am I telling the truth? Mm. Don't eat food that somebody made that dislikes you. Mm. Hmm. It doesn't mean she's going to be the help, but you just don't eat the food. (laughs) Right, the help, right? Yes, the help, the help. But, But getting back to that issue... I don't need her to call on me, but it would be nice. But I, if it's pressing enough, I will scream out. Now what she does is she doesn't call on me. She sees me screaming. She just stands there and acts like I'm not, you know, I don't mean it. I'm like, girl, bye. You know, I'm just, it's at well, that yeah, that's point. That's part of what you do in those sort of situations. There's a lot of reporters. You got to be there every day. Sometimes you yell out. And sometimes when it's pressing enough, yeah. Especially, but when she doesn't have to answer. I mean, like she doesn't have there, to. There's there in the past. There seemed to be more of a sense of like, you know, April's got to get her turn every once in a while. So and so's got. Oh, it's not now that. They're, now they're like, no. It's not that, but see, but here's the thing. I I I learned to pick my fights. I learned to pick my battles. If there are pressing enough questions, I will blurt out. Mostly, you know, people are starting to come on the issues that I want to hit. But if she doesn't come and if it sounds like it's going down the wrong line, I will blurt out just like the day of the NFL um, uh, protest with the, the Eagles protesting the the um, the president not coming for mm-hmm. uh, their championship recognition at the White House. He's going to in turn, the president's going to in turn have this national day celebrating the anthem. And then we, it was all of this mishmash of the press. Asked. I'm like, why don't you ask the question that needs to be asked? They were dancing all around. I said, Sarah, and I had asked him this in October. I said, Sarah, does the president realize taking the knee is not about disrespecting the, 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 the flag, anthem. the anthem, or the soldiers? It's about police-involved shootings. It's about police-involved abuses. And she was like, uh, 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 the president does, he just feels this disrespect. I said, but does he realize it? And that shook that White House. And now the narrative, their narrative has been taken back from them because they changed the narrative, saying that it was this, and had people hating Colin Kaepernick and everyone else. And now in the NFL, and now it is, the the veil has been taken off. There has been light shed in a dark space. So they hate when I ask those questions because they want to have the narrative. This is how it is. You're going to believe us because they have this megaphone. They have this lofty perch. But when you're not telling the truth and we know it's not true, we ask the question to prove us wrong. Are you are you talking to staffers off the record? One or two, maybe, but not too many. I don't deal with. We don't. Do you hear? Things about Trump's fitness, the sort of Bob Woodward stuff. Bob Woodward stuff is in my book pretty much from Elijah Cummings. Like what? Um, Let's go to chapter two. 
um, health care, the whole Elijah Cummings thing. Remember when I asked that question at the first solo press conference about your urban fix? Okay. And then the president went down the line, oh, I want to meet with the CBC. Why don't you get them together for me? That Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. So anyway, that lives in history. That mm-hmm. Archie Bunker moment will live in Al Bundy moment will live mm-hmm. in history forever. But he also went into this diatribe. Yeah, and I was supposed to meet with Elijah Cummings. You know, I guess Chuck Schumer got to him, and it, that wasn't true. I know Elijah Cummings. I've known Elijah Cummings for years, and we continue, you know, I talked to him as a source and as a friend. And Elijah Cummings was looking forward to the meeting. His people were so inept and dysfunctional that they could not work out a meeting. Trump's Trump's people, the president's people. So therefore, he gets up there spouting something that's wrong, and 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 Elijah Cummings wanted to meet. So ultimately, it worked out. They did meet, and then that was even a debacle too. You know, it's just after the meeting, both said it was a good meeting, but then Trump comes back, and I know Elijah Cummings very well. Trump said something. Elijah Cummings said, "I'm a great president." And I said, that's not, I said, knowing Elijah Cummings, I said, that's not what he said. I said, in my mind, I said, Elijah Cummings probably said, you could be a great president if with a qualifier. Right. And that's what happened. Right. And they have not met again (laughs) since then. It, you know, the dysfunction of the administration, the dysfunction of this president was evident in that, that healthcare chapter that I'm talking about. And that goes to what Bob Woodward's saying, you know, the dysfunction and what they say about the president. What are you saying about healthcare and dis, and dis, dysfunction? You know, the healthcare chapter, it starts off with Elijah Cummings and the president um, on inauguration day running into each other at the luncheon on, on Capitol Hill, uh, talking about, at the Capitol building, talking about meeting on high price of prescription drugs. And then we go from that, and I talk to people in pharma about why the price is so high. I talk to people um, who worked in the Obama administration about you know how they were really trying to target black America. We knew they were trying to target black America, but they really go in about how they wanted to get a wellness component for black America to help with jobs. And it, it, it trickles into so many different things. They also wanted to to ensure that black people who who have um, these pre-existing conditions, that they were going to have wellness checks and they were going to have preventative care instead of just going to um, uh, uh, to the emergency room for their primary physician, which is not a primary physician, it's an emergency room. So we go into a lot of this conversation. It's very informative. Um, I learned a lot more. I didn't realize the, the, the laser focus on the black community from the administration. I got stuff that for this book that I would have never gotten, you know, while they were still there. I mean, it was, it was very interesting. I really encourage people to read, but it starts out with this Elijah Cummings mishmash with the president. Um, it's not the Elijah Cummings mishmash. It's really the dysfunction of the White House that played out um, at that press conference. And then, you know, with the president saying, well, he doesn't like me. No, that was not the case. It, in, in saying that Chuck Schumer got a hold of Elijah Cummings, that was not the case. Your, your staff and you were dysfunctional and couldn't get the meeting together. I mean, if you were to ask this president, <clears throat> can you please explain your health care proposal? 
Can you please explain? He would say Obamacare is not good. I'm cutting it. it, it that's he, that's all he could say. Right. There's would, no explanation. He would nothing not under be able it. to just just explain. It's not even a partisan question, right? Just just explain your policy on such and such. Everyone, and he would not be able to do it. Healthcare is an issue for everyone. Yeah. We all have something we're concerned about or have a pre-existing issue. I mean, I've had two C-sections. I have a pre-existing condition. I have a C-section for having a child. I mean, that's, ridic- that's ridiculous. And, you know, the bottom line, everyone has an issue that they have to go. I mean, there's some people who there's some saying, people who are like he, superhuman. He, he, he could not. That's what I'm saying. He can't understand the basics of the job. But I don't see enough reporters. And it seems like a gotcha question. I don't see enough he would make just, it a gotcha just, question. Just saying, hey, can you explain your health care proposal? Let me tell you something. His, and he, I, I, he can't His do it. own doctor, the whole, his own White House doctor that he put up for a position at the mm. VA, mm. they still, I mean, they're talking about, oh, he's healthy. He's in excellent condition. I'm like, he's got a condition. He's got cholesterol he's issues. He's 72 and he's obese. How is he? And he takes the bun off, the top bun off of his Big Mac. That's going <sighs> to... Mm. <laughs> Uh, so wait a minute. The whole Sarah Sanders thing. Oh Lord. She's constantly lying. Mm. Either she is lying, or she's spinning, or she's not involved, or she's not involved um, in the process, and she doesn't know for sure. Sh- okay. And that's why. But she Should- insults our intelligence. Tries to every uh, day. daily, daily. Yeah. Should the networks be showing these briefings when? It's just a parade of lies. Um, should they be? I think, yeah. I think transparency is important. I think transparency but is we're important. But are we getting transparency you if need, no, she's no, no. lying? You need, to see, you, need to see, you need to see what is going on. Um, you need to see what's going on so you know the state of play. I... I what if they weren't showing the... I'm, a, I'm an advocate of showing showing the bare, ugly facts. I'm an advocate of it. You need to see it in its but all, raw but, state. But, but all we're getting is the fact that she's a liar. Okay, and you're getting that. Right. Versus but we got we, that. Versus the press telling... But not, you still need but to But the see, conversation isn't moving forward in terms of... April asked her a serious question. Acosta asked her a serious question. This Natalie president was elected like every other president, and mm-hmm. you need to see the process. This is part... A freedom of the press. This is. But part- we're not as a, as a, as an entity. If I'm if I'm watching MSNBC or CNN. CNN. They are well, MSNBC. But, CNN. <laughs> but they are not in real time saying she just lied. She just lied again. They That's challenge her. They challenge her in the briefing. No, you guys challenge her to a certain extent, right? I and mean, there's a social level that, like, it would be... It's a friendly adversarial relationship, but there is a challenge. If you watch it enough, you'll see the challenge. But here's the bottom line. I, you can say what you want, but I'm an advocate for those press briefings every day because I believe people need to see their democracy at work mm-hmm. or their dictatorship at work, whatever you call it. Because there are a lot of people now saying this is not democracy anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it is what it is. Well, do you see a long-term detrimental impact to the democracy yes. happening? Yes. Um, we are forever changed. We are forever changed. Um, we are forever changed. Um, the press is forever changed. How is the press forever changed? Because the next president of the United States is watching whoever he or she may be. Yeah. And they're seeing how they treat us. And they're going to say, oh, well, he got away with this. 
it's going to take a special kind of person to say, let's go back to who we are. You know, typically politicians don't like us, and I understand. But for the most part, they've been respectful to the yes. process. Yes. Nobody has demonized the media like this. Yeah. Yeah. Even in his worst day, Bill Clinton still allowed us in. Yeah. Even in George W. Bush's worst day, he allowed us in. Even in Barack Obama's worst day. And at Barack Obama, I'll never forget, I was so angry with him. At the beginning of his administration, he did a big interview with Brian Williams. And Brian Williams, they were in the limousine, they were in the Beast. And Barack Obama said on TV, um, Brian Williams said, don't we have to wait for press? He said, oh, I'm not waiting for them. I don't like that they have to wait for them. And I don't like some. He said something like, I was like, no, you didn't say that. You know, you don't want to wait for us. It's important that we are there to chart the history. What happens and this is what's happening now. When you have a president or his administration who's telling you what's going on without it being challenged, just giving you a blank sheet saying, this is what, you know, this is what I have here, and I'm writing the story. It's dangerous when you write your own story. Someone needs to be in there to say, okay, well, Mr. President, what about what this person says, or what about that and how this plays in? And this, the free and fair and independent press makes us different from Russia and China. It's- Go is, ahead. Is, is there... And a, Twitter, his Twitter stuff is official, according to Sean Spicer and the White sure. House. It's official. It's now president. He sure. is the president, and whatever he says, it's official and it's presidential. And we, he is writing his own narrative on Twitter, and we're like, okay, and then we question it in the briefing. Right. And you... For, and, what and, makes and, us different if the president can just say what he wants without a free and fair and independent press questioning him? I, I mean, I, I think it's dangerous. Do you think it's dangerous that... He's giving so few interviews. He gives interviews or Q&As or whatever. To Fox. But that's not a real interview. That's just a bunch of softballs. Well, he'll do something like before he leaves to go to some place, USA or wherever. He's he's standing outside. You get three questions. And sometimes he'll do it in the Oval Office. But, excuse me, a a, a real press conference... um, (laughs) It's tough for him. He can't sustain that first solo press conference. You've not seen another since then. Right. He can't sustain. He's even had Mitch McConnell by his side. But I mean, he this can't is, but sustain this is not, by himself. But it's not right for transparency, for democracy, for history. I agree. I agree. I. Totally so what agree. are we losing that he's just? I mean, there's an icy. There's an icing out of the media in general. That president told a Jewish reporter, orthodox Jewish reporter, Mm. sit down and shut up before he called on me at that first press conference. Mm. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, 
two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. That was ugly. Yes. He cannot sustain. And we're, we're seeing it play out in Woodward's book and, of course, in April Ryan's Under Fire, reporting from the front lines of the Trump White House. Yes. you got to read this. My book is about how they have tried to discredit the press and, and, discredit, and knock freedom of the press because they are afraid of exposure on every front. We'll get back to April in one moment, but I want to give a shout out to longtime supporters of the show Policy Genius, who want you to know September is National Life Insurance Awareness Month because 40% of Americans don't have life insurance. And if you don't have life insurance and some white person comes up and kills you, your family's not going to be taken care of. You've got to be ready for anything. You've got to be able to take care of your family when you're not here. Because that's what everybody really wants to do, to be able to take care of their family. And you can do that even after you're gone and make sure that your family doesn't fall apart and end up homeless because something horrible happened to you. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers, find the best policy for you. And when you're comparing quotes... You're saving money. So if you're looking for a good reason to buy life insurance, think about your family after you're gone and leaving something for them so that they can keep going on in the way they're accustomed to. Policy Genius is the place to find the right policy for you. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes, and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone because Policy Genius is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance to take care of your family after you're gone. When you are covering the White House, basically for black America, right? Mm -hmm. Focused on black issues. Mm -hmm. But asking all questions for all America. Well, of course, of course. Um, But do you believe this is a racist institution, this White House in general? Not just Trump, but... You know, we've Cudlow cozying up with nationalists, this other one down with... I mean, there seems to be a lot of people who are very comfortable. Toray, Toray. Oh, my God. (laughs) You really want to get me in trouble. (laughs) All right, so let me say this. And I'm going to come to you like this. Um, when I asked that question, that's the question that really is still stinging for them. It happened in January, and it's still like, we don't like her. She's on, a, she's on our blacklist. Um, when I asked if the president was a racist, they didn't like it. But there was like this bubbling up, this percolating of, of thought and comment about the president being a racist after the S-hole comments. Yes, after he called and African then, countries shitholes. Haiti. The Caribbean nation. And, yeah, and yes, yeah. this Caribbean and African country. Yeah. Yeah. And then he also said something about the huts in Nigeria. Then we also had the thing with Frederica Wilson and, and Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. Uh, with, um, the, Was with Jamel the, Hill in there? 
Jamel Hill. Mm. Let's talk about Maxine Waters. Let's NFL talk about Charlottesville. Let's talk about Kaepernick. Do you see? And there's a bubbling up of, wait a minute, there's a pattern here. And then not to mention what they've done to me. Okay. Right. right. So there was a bubbling up here. And I said, well, let me find out what the NAACP has to say, the nation's oldest civil rights organization. So I called over there. What's the definition of racist? A racist. And it's so simple, Torre. It's where prejudice and power intersect or meet. Prejudice and power. Simple. Two things meeting, power and prejudice. That was it. So I was off to the races. I said, Mr. President, are you a racist? Asked him twice, he didn't, or three times. He didn't even, he didn't um, answer. But that dominated the news cycle. And do I feel it's a racist, uh, this is a racist administration? What I can say is they are definitely, at the very least, they're definitely not racially sensitive. <laughs> but um, but if, you, if you indeed use that, that, that definition, at the NAACP says yes, most definitely, if you use that. But my question is not about what I think. It's about me posing the question. But if, if you want me to analyze the situation and to say, okay, race, uh, what, is race what is a racist? Power and prejudice, and if I apply it to certain issues, you can say yes. So how does that shape how you cover the institution? I mean... Everybody should be shaped by it's a racist institution. How does but it, you are coming from uh, it basically from Black it America. Shape, I know this this president doesn't like Frederica Wilson. He doesn't like Colin Kaepernick. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like Maxine Waters. He doesn't like Susan Rice. And this whole thing was empowering not, white he's, people. He's probably not happy with Valerie Jarrett because he's friends with Roseanne Barr. So I mean, and that's a all whole another oh, all of it. So. Understanding that, I still do my job. But I mean, what am I, just, am I supposed but, to be afraid? No, no, it's not about being afraid. It's about would this not, should this not be a core thesis in your reporting? Like, here yet again. But I'm not bringing it to the table. He is. It's his knee jerk reaction. Right. His knee jerk reaction. But when you're reporting on an ins a major institution for black America, is not the number one story most days. They're racist, y'all. No, it's not they're racist, y'all. Um, yesterday, it was Kavanaugh. And I talked to Bobby Scott about why... There's some, there, some days there will be other things. Yeah. But no, but no. But this is, this, but I see, mean, but is here's this the not thing. a major... When this president goes off the rails and does a knee-jerk reaction on a story and brings in race, oh, we are on it. But you know, the problem is... You've got Russia, you've got race, you got you got China, you got North Korea, you got Do you call him racist in your work? No, I don't. Why not? Because I ask the question and I pose the circumstances, the situations, put the policies on the table, and I let you figure that out. I let you I don't go out I have never called him a racist until I guess today with you. Why not? Why not call that out in your work? What's the point? It's like, okay, I see... You think you, it's because it's so obvious? Yeah. That's what you're saying? Yes. Why do I... People... Here's my thing. I asked the question. I never said... I didn't editorialize if he was a racist. And today, I guess I'm saying it. But the bottom line is, I'm there to do my job. I'm not there to sway you one way or the other. But isn't... Is that not part of your job? I've already put on the table 
all the facts and figures and issues on each subject. That's for you to decide. I give you the information. I am not there to make you believe one way or the other. I'm there to give you the facts and for you to make the decision. I'm that kid who grew up watching. That's the way it was. Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. I'm not Fox. I'm not MSNBC. MSNBC. I am. I am trying to. I am do- an objective journalist. Yep who happens to be a black woman, who happens to be attacked. And even though I'm attacked, I still try. I still I f- go in there every day trying to give them the benefit I, of the doubt. I feel like when we as reporters give them objectivity without context, there's a great risk of misunderstanding. Oh, there's context. I give the context every day. I give the context every day. When we hear this, oh, and he has done this, and he said this, and he, I add that to the story. When there's a, a Kavanaugh situation, I go straight Judge to Kavanaugh. Judge Kavanaugh, who is who, who there are protesters at the confirmation hearings, um, you know, for for him to be the Supreme Court judge. I talk about the hypocrisy of Merrick Garland, how Merrick Garland never even got a chance to have up or down vote. <laughs> Merrick Garland, who is Barack Obama's nominee for yes. Supreme Court, Mitch McConnell, I, and then I didn't talk about the issues, up. the rights issues that he he he's not necessarily good with. I also talk about the issue of the fact that this could also be a major piece for Kavanaugh to have been nominated is because he does not feel a sitting U.S. president should be indicted with the Russia investigation overhead. So I give context. I don't have to come up, you know, y'all, the president is racist. And really, I mean, you make the determination. In my opinion, you know, even with the attacks against me, I'm not, they've attacked me, they've attacked me. I know what it is. I and I've said this, and I've said this over and over again. I am not perceived to be their base, and when they go after me, it gins up their base. Yeah. When they go after Maxine Waters, it gins up their base. Yeah. When they go after Susan Rice, it gins up their base. Yeah. When they go after Kaepernick, it gins up their base. So there's a common thread here. These people happen to be black. Oh. Do I have to say? Oh, and he's a racist. I don't have to do that. You know, it's self-evident. It's self-evident that all men in this presence eyes are not created equal. <laughs> oh, I came up with that on the fly. Did you like that, Tori? <laughs> um, you know, today's my birthday. Happy birthday! Happy birthday to me! Yay. Yes, twenty-five. Yes, and wow. holding. Yes, and holding. <laughs> um, when the president. Is calling you out for what? For I've what, done for nothing what, no, wrong. No, and you've done nothing wrong. But he's calling you out. He's making you a political football, and your job is to not be the story. April Ryan under fire, reporting from the front lines of the Trump White House. I'm under fire. I'm under fire. I'm how not you, the story. How do you handle that? It's he's, hard. You take it and turn. It's like you're processing. Like, what, what did I do? I did nothing wrong. I'm just asking a question. I have to go back sometimes and listen to the tape. I'm like, I asked a legitimate question. Now, there's there have been some terse moments, you know, some back and forth, you know, people saying, oh, I'm so disrespectful to Sarah. You know, it's like the chicken or the egg, which came first? So I try my best to just stay away. And Sarah and I even tried to have um, a reset, a come to, come to Jesus moment. You did. It didn't work. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. What, did you go to her and say, can we start over? No, she said, what happened between us? She asked for me to come. She called you to her office? Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something. You know, you know why we're not going to work? Because as long as you're working for someone who says, treat her the way you do and mm-hmm. continue to do it, we are not. I am a grown woman. When she was in high school, I was covering Bill Clinton. We both talked about being in Arkansas at the Little Rock Nine commemoration with her father as governor or mayor, whatever he was. And the president of the United States, I hate to sound snarky, but the president of the United States at the time, Bill Clinton, opening the doors for the Little Rock Nine to include one of my friends, Ernie Green. Mm. You know, Wait, what? So wait, um, she was in high school when I was doing my job. So you going to come up here and tell me when she calls you to her office. Let's talk. We talk. And she said, how did we get here? Can we start over? And I wanted to. I genuinely. I and you said, oh, let's do that. Yeah, let's work it out. So what because happened from there? You see what happened from there. Well, there no, a, I mean, like, I didn't know. I didn't see that meeting. What happened to that meeting? It, it, it was, it was about, it all stemmed after that pie. Cause she really got upset about that pie thing. I don't know why. That you didn't want to eat it. No, the fact that I was joking. Torre is a black person, not even a black person, white, everybody. Thanksgiving, we take food selfies because we're proud of the table, the spread, the the bounty, sure. the harvest of plenty that's before us. Yeah. I was taking, I didn't cook this year because I was busy. You know, I went and bought my food and took pictures of the pans in the back of my car. You know, and that, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with that. But I'm like, here's the bounty of plenty, but it's it's wrapped up, you know, in the silver tin. Everyone takes a picture on their table, but no, Sarah gets a photo stock picture and puts this pop picture. And I'm joking, not realizing the influence that I had, and I and I didn't realize at that time the what was bubbling to the surface. People were the discontent, the dis-ease in the spirit. That pie was a symbol. It wasn't about the pie. It was a symbol of truth and lies versus lies. So people were like, yeah, Sarah, you lie like you lie every day. Hey, you didn't bake that pie. You lie. I was like, oh, my God. I was just joking. I said, Sarah, take it. I said, show us that picture of that pie seriously on the table. I said, because people are not believing it. I was cracking up laughing. And I just thought it was a joke. It was an so, innocent joke so, that went crazy. So wait, when you left her <laughs> office, mm-hmm. had you had the rapprochement? Or did you leave like, nah, we didn't come to anything here? Um, we had the reprochement, as you said. You, you had it. Yeah. You so, had the reset. Yeah. So, so we and said. And then the we, pie we, unraveled she it. She said to me, no, 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 no. This was the, the pie was after. Right, right. The pie, I'm, I'm saying the pie unraveled the reset. Yes. Um, so she said, well, you know, I should bake your pie. I said, mm, that's, how, gonna, that's how you finished the conversation. Yes, yeah, so I'm not going to eat it. And it's You a, said that straight up? Yes. Why did you say that? What did you I just said, tell I'm you? I'm not going to eat it. When people don't like you, you do not eat. What is but wrong you, with you? But you don't have oh to tell God. them. But you don't have to tell them. I ain't going to eat your shit. Well, I told just, her I ain't going to eat it. You're just being nice and like, thank you. One thing Because that's you what never, my mom told me, too. When somebody gives you a gift, they say you. thank you. When did she tell you that? When I was little. But she, you got your instructions, too. Right. But, but somebody gave you some. Thank you. But my mom also told me, my late mom also, she said, you're not phony. I'm not phony. I'm not going to play a game. You're going to know where I'm coming from from the very beginning. Okay? True. So my thing is, is see, and we even talked about the help. I said, she said, yeah, and I saw you wrote about the help. I said, I didn't say you were going to put that in there. And I said, and then Fox News is going to talk about it. I said, you were going to poison me. I never I said that. that. that was, you just don't eat someone's food if they don't like you. <laughs> that's like that's like going to somebody's house 
wasn't sense. eating chitlins. You don't know if they're mad at you. It, it don't make sense. You don't eat chitlins from anyone you, that you don't know. You, you don't, gotta make sure you know that person very well. I'm saying, Some of your listeners may not know what chitlins are. You think, no, no, I think the I think I, no, no, I think, and I, 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 think <laughs> I think my folks are good on chitlins. <laughs> Speaking of chitlins and folks who don't like you, Omarosa is in this book. Boy, bye. <laughs> Boy, Felicia, right say hi. Come back, Felicia. Ooh, Robin come, Roberts? Come back, Robin Roberts. Come back, Felicia. I love Robin. If you make Robin Roberts mad, come Ooh. on, come on. What what happened with you and Omarosa? Was she was she messing with you? She thought she was messing with me, <laughs> and she taped me. <laughs> I still don't know. You're on one of those tapes. Yes, and she and see here's the thing. Did Everybody, she did she try to to blacklist you and to screw you up? Did she try? And, this is how the whole thing started. Tell See, me. here's the thing. I don't know whether they told her to go after me or she thought it on her own to do it, you know. And my book deals with this, but the book is not about her, all about her. But no matter what happened, even though she's gone, the residue lingers. And this is what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the enemy. I'm on the blacklist. And um, I don't view her as a saint I don't view her as someone in the resistance. And I'm not saying I'm resistance. I'm saying she's now trying to say she's she's always worked for me. Let me tell you, she would still be working for him if she hadn't gotten fired. Period. True. You know, she had those tapes and all that just as a safeguard to keep money. Because she, she always said to me, I'll never be poor again. So she knows what to do. But let me say this. We were friends. But when we were real friends... I loved her as a sister. I never saw this in her. You know, you see it on TV. You're like, oh, that's TV. Right. You know? It's reality, right? But, and everybody warned me. I said, oh, no, she'll never do it. Boy, I should have listened to my friends. So when it came time to prove to them that she was golden and she was in their camp, because mind you, she supported Obama, she supported Hillary, and she worked for Bill. Right. So when she had to show them who she was loyal to and also pay respect and, and be loyal to the enemy of the people thing or, or hating the press, she had someone right here in her face that she thought that she could lop their head off and put it on the platter and serve it to them and say, see what I've done, Even now bring me you in. you were real friends. She doesn't know what real is. What happened? What did she do? She did something so horrible. Um, she and it's career ending and if, if you are not in politics and you don't understand look it up google it because this is something terrible um, I was in WikiLeaks and I say any reporter worth their pen and pad should have been in WikiLeaks because that shows that you had a connection to the campaign but what WikiLeaks did not show you is that not only did I call John Podesta and say John Podesta, the former um, campaign manager for Hillary Clinton, why is it that, you know, Hillary Clinton is not linking up with the black community, you know, like her husband did? Let's have black um, reporters gather and, and talk to her. Not only did I do that, but I was reaching out to Omarosa and Donald Trump's secretary to see if I could get a meeting with him. But WikiLeaks doesn't tell you that. I was meeting with Ted Cruz, trying to get a meeting with Ted Cruz. I was trying to do Ben Carson. I was trying to do Bernie Sanders. I was trying to get... And, and Jeb Bush, I was trying to get all of these people. But see, WikiLeaks had it like, oh, she's on, she's in the Clinton camp. No. Any reporter will try to get information. From anybody. Period. So she's going to create the scenario. I'm so upset because she's in there. 
And people are trying to tell her that she read it wrong. She was saying that I was taking money from her. They said, no, 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 you read it wrong. She knew clearly what she was saying and what she was doing. She knew clearly. So you don't say that April Ryan, she was spreading that lie. She thought it was going to hit. That, and then months, I started pulling away from her. Then months later, she said, well, would you be at my wedding? I'm like, girl, bye. Yes. Wait a minute. She Wait tried minute. to assassinate your reputation, then she invited my you to My character, my integrity, my rep- reputation, and take money out of the mouths of my two little children who are innocent. Yes. As a divorced mother, you don't play like that with anyone. So I said, okay. So um, I pulled back, and I just, with me, I just like kind of let it linger and just stay away. Well, it escalated and escalated. I never said yay or nay. Her, Even her then-fiancé, who's now husband, even called me around Thanksgiving. Oh, would you? I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, we'll see. And I never did it. So next thing you know, um, Sean Spicer's telling me, she's saying, don't call on April. If I don't ask the questions in that room, you're not going to get the answer to it. Right. Or get anything on that issue. So she was trying to stymie me in every way she could. She tried to kill my career. Just to show them I'll go against a black person. Just to show them that I am yours. I'm solid. So she's talking about, oh, I'm, what did she say? Um, I was complicit. Huh, she was more than complicit. She was actively going against the community. I talk about it in my book, but I don't spend a lot of time on it because my book is much more than that. But um, so then, you know, it crescendoed last year, just before, just before that press conference, that solo press conference. And we had a fight. We had a verbal altercation that was loud. Where? Between the Oval Office and the press secretary. We were going back and forth. And at one point, I thought the president was going to come out the door. And I was, at that point, I was like ready for anything. Because she was screaming. She was screaming so, she was screaming to the highest decibels. And I knew he heard it. So um, she's just in the White House screaming at, you? at me. And then I said something about Valerie Jarrett would never act like this because she would always say, I'm, I'm I'm the Valerie Jarrett of this administration. She came over. She had a boot on her foot, came over like she was going to do something. I said, girl, this is Secret Service. Will you better back up? Abby Phillip from CNN was there and saw it. It was a bad scenario. So, so the two she of tried- you are yelling at each other. She, yes. In the White and House. she taped part of it because she gave it to the Washington. Post. She gave it to Dylan Byers at CNN, and she gave it to Fox News. She taped yes, it on her phone? I don't know what she taped it on, but she taped it. And she played part of it. Not the part, the other part, the top parts that made her look bad. So you you and you and Omarosa are in the White House yep. near the Oval Office yep. yelling at each other. Yep. And how long does this last? It lasted for a little bit, and then people were like shocked. They were like, "Ladies, ladies!" And what was she saying? And what and were I, you saying? I was telling her, "I said I'll never be in your wedding. You beg. I didn't beg you. I said, girl, I said I was here when you were fired the last time. I'll be here when you get fired this time." She was, and I said, and I told her something to this. And I said, at least I, she said, she said something, and that's why you're taking money from Hillary Clinton. I said, if you say it again, I'm gonna sue you. And I said, well, I said, well, maybe I should take money from Hillary Clinton because I heard it's long. I said, at least I don't have to sell cell phones. Before she became in the Trump administration, she was selling cell phones. So you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it, Tarek. So no, but she was my friend, and her. Oh, and her representative name was Oni. Now we leave this conversation. So we got into that altercation a week later, when a week and a half later, after the news stories came out, and it was posted in the Washington Post. Look it up, Google it, and and, and CNN Money, and other places. 
the president called on me in that press conference, and he said, oh, here's another bad question. I said, no, it's not, sir. It's going to be good. Oh, good, because I enjoy watching you on TV. That's the first part of the of the of the of the get the people together thing and then we go on to that thing and then he says aren't they your friends people were saying to me that was racial they said oh it was racist and i was like mm, i didn't want to say it at the time because i was still dealing emotionally and mentally with what had happened a week prior to to me it was more sinister than it was racial there was a racial component because she was saying omarosa was saying that i was taking money from hillary and for him to say aren't they my friends it's like I'm in cahoots with the Democrats. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there you have it. Now I can breathe. Mm. Okay. Mm. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. Mm. April Ryan under fire. <laughs> reporting from the front lines of the Trump White House. <laughs> Get the book now. <laughs> um, Is this intimate enough for you? Indeed. I have to be in New York for Torrey. I'm Hell like, yeah. can they do it on the phone? He's like, no. No, we, we don't do this on the phone. We need intimacy. I'm like, what, okay. What is, what is a great question? How do you, what's, a, what's the difference between a good question and a great question? A great question is something that stands the test of time for history. A great question pushes the ball forward on an issue. A great question shakes the foundations of that room. Because you, you recognize when you hear it and hear the answer. And I think there's a clarity yes. to a great question. And there's a, Why yeah. did you do X? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to be specific. You yes. have to. Sometimes you have to be able to, to to frame a question where he can't just say yes or no. He or she can't say yes or no. Yes. And you want a thoughtful answer. You don't want this this prepackaged answer. Right. You want something that's thoughtful, that's clear. A good question just it a good question can shape the course of history. Because I feel, and like- it can also change policy. And that's what people don't realize: questions can change policy and shape what's already happened or reshape things. And I mean, I'm, I, I've got an example: the black farmers. I kept asking for 17 years. They finally got paid after it was said that they were discriminated against by Bill. Bill Clinton said it was yes, it's discrimination. The U.S. Department of Agriculture discriminated against them, so they never got their money. Though it took 17 years for Barack Obama to pay them, three presidents, and then also. Remember the Salahis who came to the White House yeah. during the Obama administration? Yeah, they weren't supposed to be there. Right. The they reality like snuck show. in. Yeah, right. to make their reality show segment great. Right, right. They were supposed to do Real Housewives of D.C. The Real or Housewives of D.C., yeah, yeah. Where are they now? Um, I was asking those questions. Robert Gibbs jumped all in my stew. But they changed back to the way they used to have people come in. So asking questions can really make you rethink something, change policy. If you get to the clarity, the heart of the the issue. Because some reporters ask wordy, unwieldy feelings it's like, questions. It's like this, like, where are you going? Yeah. You, like you're writing the term I mean, paper. A, I'm like, sit down. A good question can be a short sentence. It could be like four words. Yes. Bam. And some some people I feel like, they want to make sure they get their 30 seconds. No, they want to show that they're intelligent yes. or, or, or believed to be intelligent. I'm like, look, yes. you know, and I think some of the reasons why people like me so much, I'm real. I'm not thus, there are, where are, whereas. I'm like, boom, here it is. So what you got to say? And I'm going back to the, to the question I asked her about the NFL. And the taking the, that day was a huge day, that, that Philadelphia Eagles day. 
And I said, does the president realize what taking the knee is about? And do you realize that there are black and brown military personnel who feel that there should be a knee and, taking And that's knee. very direct. Yeah. It's clear. And it's, it's sharp. And it's changed the and, dynamic. And, and, and it changes the conversation from it's here shifted, to here. It's shifted to the truth. Yes. So yes. this is what I'm saying. And people are like, oh, you just want to. No, I'm not race baiting. I'm not. I don't even know what that is. Right. That, that's, that's just stop talking because about race. Because you're black. Because I don't want to talk about race. So just you're race baiting. You're a race traitor or whatever. And if you look at stats, take the emotion out of it and look at the truth. People, people would see. It's just, I, I don't know. There is an inequity in this nation. And, and it, it's, a, it's called selfishness that I think that we're going through right now. I want what you think you have. You know, well, I want what I think you have. Well, there's a discussion. I think Lynn Vavrek, great political scientist, talks about this notion of line cutters, that, that there are mostly white people who feel like there's a group of people who want to cut the line. So they would say... I'm okay with black we or gay. We did that or... in school. Don't cut in front of me. Yeah. You know, road rage. Don't cut in front. I'm seeing more people like, no, you can get behind me, not in front of me now. But they're like, uh, you know, this notion of I worked, I did everything I'm supposed to do. This immigrant, this black person, this woman, this gay person, they didn't. and But they want to cut in front of me. Yeah. And that's a discussion I'll never forget. I'll never forget on CNN. Um, with the S-hole comments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was just between, that was before I asked the race question, Mr. The, Mr. President, are you racist? I'll never forget, um, I was on Aaron Burnett one night, and they were talking about, and Paris Denard was one of them, mm. on the panel, I know, stop. Mm. And he told me to shut up because I got him with this. And he knew, he, he knew better. So anyway, um, I'll never forget, they were talking about, oh, and these immigrants come here on welfare. And I'm like, Wait a minute. So I remember during the Obama years how the NAACP as well as La Raza and other groups were working together on immigration. And I saw this thing from the Center for American, Pro the Center for American Progress. And it said that uh, black immigrants are more educated, you know, than any other immigrant group. And the list goes on. And I'll never forget when they were doing that. I said, wait a minute, hold on, guys. And we went to a commercial break. I came back. I said, okay, to your point, the Center for American Progress says this. And I'll never forget, my phones blew up. The CBC called, where did you get that from? Van Jones was using it the next hour. You know, that was, that changed the conversation. Because if you don't know, you're going to go out here and be ignorant. Ignorant meaning not knowing to the situation you speak you know, out of the side of your neck. And Paris basically got upset and told me to shut up. <laughs> but, but, you know, because he couldn't handle the truth. And we have to be, we have to be critical thinkers. My moment at MSNBC ended before you started to see a lot of the Trump supporters and surrogates on television, right? In these moments where they put you against Paris or Kaylee or... You were, you were a part of a thoughtful show. Yes, but I was part of a moment where we were really dealing with Obama and Trump was just rising in the primary. But it was and thoughtful, you, not fighting. But and, and I, what were you saying? Go ahead. Yes, but you are dealing with a moment when they're going to put you on with a Paris or somebody else who's probably going to trigger you and make you really upset. I mean, like I'm throwing tomatoes at the screen. Well, you know, there's some that trigger when they come up saying I'm dishonest. Now, that's when I have a problem. So you prove it. You know, they, that's their thing, trying to discredit me. Right. 
and I'm not going to let you do it. I have not lied in all this time, and you just got here, boo bye. <laughs> boo bye. No. Bye, boo bear. You have a warrior spirit, I feel like. Aw, Tore. I, I feel like you're like Iverson. Like, they, as many times they knock you down, you're going to get back up. We fall down. But we get up. Is yes. That, is that is that how you see yourself? No, no, I don't see. I don't see my. You know how I see myself as this goofy, quirky woman. <laughs> you know, from Baltimore. I love to laugh, <clears throat> but I'm also that person who is keenly aware of her history <clears throat> and keenly understands who I am and who I want my daughters to be. My mother used to tell me, I told her, I'll never forget, my late, my parents just lost my father a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago? Yeah. I'm so sorry. And it's lost still... Lost my father a few months ago. Oh, baby, I'm so, sorry. I mean, it's, you, it's, it's, still, it's present. It's, it's it like, doesn't stop. And both of my parents are now gone, and it feels like I have my skin, my skin is off, and I'm walking through life vulnerable. Mm. It's like, and, and I, I miss both of them, but they gave me a home to that that I understood that I could be and do anything that I wanted to be and I'll never forget before way before my mother died I used to tell her I said mommy if you die I will just I just can't live she said no you don't ever stop she said you never so you let you never let anyone stop you she said you never let anyone see you cry and I didn't realize that stuck with me and my mother was the sweetest spirit she was such an enabler but she's also a woman who had a great heart. And she, but she taught me about who I am being black and being proud of who I am. We'd stop at a stop. Like, Did you know a black man created that? If I ate a peanut, do you know how many you I stopped eating peanuts for a while? I mean, you know, she taught to me about Charles Drew. She kept pouring into me. You know, she used to always say on TV, I want to see people who look like me. And I didn't think about that, you know, as a kid. But... As I grew older and understood life, and my dad was that voice of courage, he would say, that's not right. You know, he didn't have a formal education. My mother got her college degree when I was in 12th grade. My father never had, he never attended college, but for what he did, he should have had a master's degree or a PhD, maybe a PhD. But what he taught me, he owned his own business, successful business, but what he taught me, he taught me to speak truth to power and challenge, but challenge in the right way that benefited myself. You know, that benefit that would benefit all of us, meaning if something is wrong, don't just accept it. Say, no, this is call it out. He called things out. He would he the, was the, in the, the church and he would call it out. The, the courage and the selflessness um, and the drive to find the truth that you're talking about here and historically, I definitely see in you. And I see it in a lot of people in our profession. Mm -hmm. And it hurts me to hear media be denigrated without evidence in this way. When I know from having worked at many, many media organizations that media people are generally of the highest character. They are trying to get to the truth. They are not in it for to look at me. I mean, nope. you know, those of us who are on the air, a little bit look at me, but we don't do the work in a way that says, look at me. We want to get at the I truth. I just, look, let me tell you something. If I could walk around with my hair all over the place and no makeup, I would do it. I'm serious. I do that quite a bit. But now on TV, when I, you know, why is her face beat all the time? Because I have to, you know, but I'm not. I will wear a ratty pair of jeans, a ratty shirt. I, let me but tell the, you. I mean, the attack on us is not justified it's in not. any way, and we are generally 
exemplary Americans who are trying to shine a light on truth and it's make America dangerous better. because this president does not want to be exposed and he's being exposed. Mueller's exposed him, his own friends, Michael St Cohen. Stormy Daniels. Don't know why there's no sun up in the sky. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Since my man and I ain't been together. <laughs> Thank you to April Ryan for a great an honest interview and thank you for listening this show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined you can make your dreams a reality and this show can help I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show please subscribe, rate, and review and tell a friend about the show Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Colbert and the Young Turks with help from William Jolly, Jason Wallace, Candid Nicole, and our photographer, Chuck Marcus. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks because the man can't shut us down.